Last time the grim reaper of small animals knocked upon our door, in the form of a fox that savaged two of my three chickens, I had placed the remains in a feed bag and dumped them in the woods. The kids were horrified when they found out. In their view, I had basically disposed of two members of the family by feeding them to predators. Things would be different this time, I thought to myself, beginning with a freshly prepared grave. This way, everything would be ready for us to do the decent thing. So, on my return, I chose a spot at the end of the garden where I had kept the hens and began to dig. It wasn't the best place, I realized, on struggling to get through the clay and the roots from a towering oak beside the lane. We were just coming through a hard winter as well, and frost still coated the ground. After half an hour, having managed to create a small depression, I decided it was just about fit for purpose. With the kids' return imminent, all I had to do was rehearse what I would say. By the time the back door swung open, I was ready to tell them the last thing they wanted to hear. Minutes after I'd ruined their day, my children filed out into the garden as directed. Being young teenage girls, Lou and May were free and easy with their tears. At six, Honey hadn't really digested what it all meant, while Frank, aged four, was simply happy to be standing beside the spade. I approached them somberly, with a bundle in my arms, but something didn't feel right. What I held so reverently no longer felt floppy. I had left it so long that rigor mortis was in full effect, I realized. This wouldn't have been a problem. It's just the hole I had managed to dig suddenly didn't look that accommodating for a stiffened cat with outstretched legs. Proposing that we delay the service until the corpse had softened up was out of the question. I looked at my children in turn, swallowed uncomfortably, and then placed poor Misty to rest as best I could. Later, when my wife Emma returned from home, I shared our sad news. For a tall blonde dressed for the boardroom, one who never took kindly to being described as Amazonian, she looked unusually close to tears. At the grave we found that one of the girls had planted a cross made from decorated ice cream sticks. I thought it was touching, but Emma was more concerned by the bigger picture. "'What's with the big mound of earth?' she asked, stepping around the plot. "'It's because of the problem with the paws,' I said. By the way she had quickly recovered her composure, I realized I would have to explain myself a little more. The cat is in there diagonally, all right. Upside down and diagonally. She wouldn't fit, and I didn't want to upset the children even more, so I told them it was how cats were buried traditionally, in Nepal. For a moment, Emma looked like she was going to kick-start a domestic. Then, watching her eyes finally well up over our loss, I hoped a hug would afford me a reprieve. Deep down she knew I would always try to do the right thing for the family, even if that meant exhuming the body under moonlight and starting all over again. That Misty had left behind a brother was of little consolation. Miso was identical in appearance to his sister. Both black, with white socks, they only differed in their personality. In short, Misty had been outgoing and fun to be around, while Miso wasn't. When it came to avoiding human contact, Miso was a master— in this house, at any rate. We suspected that he chose to work another family nearby, who clearly indulged him with treats. He also had a penchant for hunting wild rabbits, dismembering them, and leaving body parts outside the front door. Within the bunny community, I imagine our surviving cat had a reputation as some kind of serial ripper. One summer, Miso was so prolific that I took to leaving a spade outside the door for the sake of convenience. Every time he delivered a severed head, hind leg, bones, or entrails, I'd scoop it all up and fling it into the hornbeam hedge on the other side of the lane. 
This was the practice I had to stop come autumn, however, when all the leaves dropped to reveal the rabbit's remains. For a long time afterwards, I worried that passers-by would think we had strung up some kind of ghastly pagan offering to ensure that spring would come round again. Showing up only at mealtimes hardly endeared me so to me, and his indifference to the death of his sister failed to change my view. Our second-born, May, was the only one who tried to identify with him. Nobody dared to point out that the cat clearly hated her as much as any of us. A sensitive child, she could see something in Miso that was invisible to everyone else. Whenever any kind of communication took place, the cat evidently saw her coming. May couldn't bear to see Miso's saucer empty, even if he'd just cleared it. Once she found him lapping from a glass on her bedside table. It led her to believe that this was a cry for help. In May's view, the cat could die from dehydration unless she placed cups brimming with fresh water all around the house, including random steps on the staircase. Miso went on to learn very quickly that what he really needed was space from me every time I kicked a cup.